0: Following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore or our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. God is. The Bible doesn't have to state that; it just assumes it. And so, contrary to what you might expect, the Bible doesn't begin with a kind of apology for God, or a declaration of the existence of God. It starts off with God, and God is already in action. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Nothing there, but He put something there, chaos, and He made order. He spoke, and it was. At the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, we are introduced to a baby who is to be born, and we are told his name will be Emmanuel. God is with us. And that baby was born and lived and shared common life and then at the age of about 30 launched out into a most astonishing ministry, series of events in which Emmanuel, God with us, was demonstrably with all sorts of people, the poor and the rich, the women and the men, the young and the old, the authority figures and the marginalized, with them and with them to bless and to heal and to help and to teach. But when goodness gets busy, evil resists, and Emmanuel, God with us, found that the very people he had come to be with were were pushing back and pushing away and turning back and saying, no, 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 we will not have this man as king over us. He threatened vested interests. The structures of power and control and exclusion were challenged. By one who came as the most powerful of all, but came in meekness. The one who was king of all, but came in the form of the, ser- of the servant. And the time came when they said, Get rid of him. And to the utter consternation, to the distress, To the anguish of His followers, this Jesus was arrested, given a sham trial, mocked, scourged, and nailed to the cross. But then on that Easter Sunday, the women went to the tomb. Not the men initially. The men, prominent as followers, conspicuous by their absence. There was John there. John, the beloved disciple, the one some people think of as a bit of a wimp, you know, but he was there. He was at the cross. Peter, well, kind of, from a distance, but it was the women who were at the foot of the cross, the women who'd followed Him from Galilee, supporting Him out of their means, being with Him in the successes, and now in this utter tragedy, they were there. And at the tomb, the women were there. Such loyalty. eh? They had followed Him in life, they would still honor Him in death. When perhaps others are thinking, well, what's the point? It's gone. As as two disciples spoke to the stranger on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, and said, well, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel, but look, it's all gone wrong, and what we'd hoped for hasn't eventuated. But for the women, it was not about that. It was, we love this man, and we still love him. We loved Him when we understood as never before that, that something of God was reaching us in Him. We, we, we loved Him when we saw His compassion. We loved Him when we saw His care. We loved Him when we received that which He offered. And we still love Him when we don't understand, and when He seems to be gone from us, and when the tomb is closed, we still love Him. We will still serve Him. Maybe some of you are here like that today. Maybe you're here out of loyalty to what you once thought you knew, but it seems that it has died, and the hope has died, and the living presence is gone, but you're here. You're here because something in you says, still I will be faithful, I will worship, I will join the people of God, but in my heart I feel nothing and it seems that something has died. If that is you, I honor you. But for you, there's the message that the women got. Why seek the living among the dead? No comment at all on this congregation. Why seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. You don't come to remember with grief that which you now have lost you come to have your mind completely blown apart by a new possibility and a spectacular new reality. That which you loved is so much greater than you knew, and the one to whom you are faithful, even though He doesn't seem to be for you a living presence, is the one who is alive and active and in the world and is deeply interested in you because you're part of the team. And the closing chapters of the Gospels bring us to that transition between walking with Jesus on during His earthly ministry and entering into partnership with Him in what He now does in the world. And the theme is the same. God is. Matthew chapter 1, a baby will be born, you'll call Him. God is with us. Emmanuel. Matthew 28, the very end of the gospel, Jesus says, "'Look, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me.'" Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am. I am with you. I am with you always to the end of the age. So why are we here because God is, and we know that, because a person appeared on earth and said, I am. And we have come to see that the God who is, is the God who in Jesus says, I am, and I am with you, and I am with you always to the end of the earth. So, this is the Easter story. It's the new normal. It's the new reality. It's the reality of I am whom now we know in Jesus, and we see and experience and relate to in Jesus. This great God says, the world is mine. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So, out you go and be agents of my rule in this world. That's the point. Jesus gathered a group of people around him, taught them, that's what discipling means, taught them, trained them so that they could participate with him in what he's doing in the world. It's about the kingdom of this God. It's about the rule of this God, putting things a kingdom of justice in place of injustice, a kingdom of right in place of wrong, a kingdom of peace in place of war. This is the kingdom of God. And Jesus says to His disciples, it's mine, but it's going to be enacted by you, so you go into all the world. You go to all the nations. You make disciples, people who are learning of and from Me. Baptize them. Bring them into intimate relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit, and teaching them My way, the way of My kingdom, what I want for this world. This is the mission of God the mission of God is to bring the world into the condition that God desires for it. How is that done? As those who know Him go and communicate and show and demonstrate and live this kingdom of God. And the Easter story does not stop with the resurrection. Wonderful as that is, the Easter story continues in the instruction to all of the followers of Jesus to share in the work of the kingdom of God. So, how is it going? The work of the kingdom. Since Easter Sunday last week, how has the kingdom of God been realized in your context? Now, I'm not trying to Diminish the importance of sending missionaries to preach in other countries across the world. That is hugely important, and it's something that I've done myself. I mean, I'm in New Zealand, right? (laughs) Yeah, Um, although I have to say it's a bit difficult convincing people that New Zealand is a mission field unless you actually live in New Zealand, okay? (laughs) Um, I'd been pastoring a church in Edinburgh, Scotland you know, the little town north of England. Some of you will know it. Um, and I uh, got this invitation to come to Cary Baptist College and teach New Testament there. Now, the church I was pastoring was very strongly focused on mission. Our goal was to have a tenth of our membership in, um, engaged in mission work overseas. And we achieved that. Uh, the secret, you achieve it largely by having a very small membership. <laughs> <laughs> But the numbers are small, talking percentages. It sounds greater. <laughs> I remember going to a wonderfully impressive seminar on community work in a very needy neighbourhood, and uh, the woman who was presenting was saying, "And 33.3% of our clients have issues with etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. I thought, "Wow, that's a lot." Till eventually it clicked with me. She only had three clients. Okay, <laughs> talking about one person, but it sounded... anyway. Um, The point was that we had this missions team, missions group, and they prayed and supported, et cetera, et cetera. And I went to them, and I said, um, look, you know, we're following this, what we believe to be a call of God. Now, we don't need financial support, because um, at that time, I believed that Cary Baptist College would be paying our salary. (laughs) They do. It's okay. Um, So I said, we don't need that, but we'd love you to pray for us, because, you know, this is our attempt to participate in the mission of God? Well, they had a committee meeting about it, and they decided that no, technically, I mean, they are Scots, right? You know, but no, technically, they couldn't support us from the mission group because New Zealand wasn't a mission field. And I asked, why? Answer, it's too nice. Okay. Uh, So, you get the picture. You know, Mission is, if it had been the Amazonian jungle, not a problem. Now, we had actually served in the Amazonian jungle for some years, so we knew about that. But for them, that was mission, going somewhere unpleasant. You know, but going somewhere pleasant, that can't be mission. That's advancing your career or something, but it's not the mission of God. So, unfortunately, the mission group didn't add us to the list of missionaries from that church, although, you know, hopefully they still remember to pray for us that we'd be enjoying our time in such a nice country. (laughs) But the thing is that, I mean, am I talking to the converted here? You know, am I preaching to the choir? You know that mission is not only sending people far away, okay? Okay. Mission is right here. Mission can be in this room. If Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, get out there and teach people how to live in my kingdom, then what's he talking about? He's talking about establishing the kingdom of God, the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how is the rule of God to be operative in your home? That's mission. How is the rule of God to determine the financial decisions you make? That's mission. How is the rule of God going to shape you as a person in relationship with others? That's mission. How is the rule of God going to influence how you treat the planet? That's mission. All of this is the mission of God, God who created who saw His creation spoiled and is at work in love to recreate and remake and restore and reconcile. Paul puts it beautifully in Colossians when he talks about all things in Him and for Him, all things, finding the right relationship with Christ and therefore with each other. That's the kingdom, and that is the mission of God. So, what is your role in that mission. Perhaps it is to uproot and to travel. Most mission involves going somewhere. It's just that sometimes the journey may be very short. It may be two chairs along to talk to somebody. You know, it can be like that. Sometimes the journey is very long, it can be as far as you can go in the world without turning around the globe and heading back. But whatever, whether long or short, what is your participation in the mission of God in relationship with the one who says, I am, and I am with you. Wherever you go, whatever it takes, however long, I am with you. But I want you, I, I require you. I desire you to be a participant in my mission. Well, good theory, what gets in the way? We could have another session, eh? So, what gets in the way? Let's hear it, and I'm sure that we could keep going for a very long time because we all have extensive personal experience of things getting in the way of participating in the mission of God. But here's just some. I want to pick out some very briefly from a passage in the middle of the book of Acts. So, the story of mission is well underway, but um, we've got Paul and Barnabas who've been already active in mission, and now I'm going to take out just a few points very quickly from Acts 15 and 16 when they're planning a further participation in the mission of God And we're just going to throw a verse or two up there. Think, what's an obstacle, a barrier, something that could have got in the way that they had to overcome in order to participate in God's mission? Think, is this my obstacle? Is this what I'm praying that God will shift for me so that I can participate more freely and fully in the mission of God? So this is from Acts 15. Uh, beginning at verse 36. We'll just read a verse or two at a time and pick out a problem. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the Word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Can you see what barrier had to be removed for Paul to get to the point of saying to his pal Barnabas, Barney, why don't we go and do a trip? Well, let me suggest that the biggest barrier was the barrier of um, comfort. Just think of it for a moment. For those of you who know this story, you'll know that Paul and Barnabas had already been a mission team. They'd gone to all sorts of places. Unpleasant things had happened. They'd been persecuted. They'd been hounded out of synagogues. They'd gone to one place, Lystra, and it was total confusion. They came, speaking of, you know, the the great God of of, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, but people assumed that they were gods themselves because they looked kind of special, you know, and they'd come from elsewhere. And so, they started worshiping them. And then when Paul said, no, no, we're not gods, we're not gods, don't be stupid, well, then people turned against them. He said, well, who are they then? These imposters? You're not the real gods! You know, get rid of them, and started throwing stones at them. They, they thought Paul had died. You know, they'd stoned him, they left him for dead, went back into the city. And, um, you know, that was not pleasant. He, he, he revived, he came around, and he went on to the next place. But they'd been in jail, they'd been beaten, they'd been persecuted, they'd covered all sorts of hostility, but from place to place, they had planted little groups of new believers in Jesus. Then back they went to Antioch, which was their sending church, where they were legends in their own lifetime. They were heroes returned. They told the stories. You know, every sermon from then on would include, well, I may not have mentioned this, but, um, but I have actually been involved in Mission and, you know, Lystra and Derby, and uh, when we were in, you know, Cyprus, and we met this dude, you know, when we were forever. They're hearing all these things, and people love it, and they're loved and respected by the church, and uh, they're involved in a fruitful ministry. They're teaching. The church is growing, and Paul says to Barnabas, Barnabas, Remember that place where they threw stones at us and they knocked me unconscious? Ha ha ha! Remember that place where they hit us? Remember that place where they hounded us out of the synagogue? Ah, uh, let's go back. <laughs> go back? Why would they? So unpleasant. So much more pleasant where they were. Yes, but you see, Paul wasn't thinking normally. And that's the thing. That's the thing about Easter. Easter makes us abnormal in the eyes of the world because... The world thinks, how can we make this little life more comfortable? But the kingdom of God is a bigger framework, and it's not our comfort, but our participation in what God is doing to restore His world and bring people to Himself. That's what matters. It's Christ. So, Jesus was the one who had it all, but let go. Philippians 2 and took the form of a servant and became obedient even unto death on the cross. And Paul is thinking with the mind of Christ. And he's not thinking, what's the most comfortable place for me to be? He's thinking, where is the place where there is most need for me to be active for God? And there are young communities, new believers, they're in those hostile places. They need encouragement. They need building up. There are other places still to be reached. And Paul says, here I am, send me. And Barnabas, there you are. You know, you better say the same thing. Let's go. What's the comfort barrier that you need to overcome to participate in the mission of God? It's just uncomfortable sometimes to talk to somebody new. That's uncomfortable. Get over it. Participate in the mission of God. It can be uncomfortable to take a lower salary. If you really feel that God is saying, you know, not for the sake of it, I mean, I may be a Scot. I'm not a masochist. But, but, you know, there are people who cannot do what they feel God is calling them to do because it would mean taking a lower salary. Or it might mean losing house value. You know, these are orthodoxies of our culture. You must be earning more. You must have a bigger property. You must be acquiring, be saving. You must be doing that because that's a good thing to do. That's sensible. But it's sometimes not what God is asking of you. Is comfort holding you back from participating in the kingdom of God? Now, I'll tell you something. Um, As a young person, I wanted to be all out for God and go anywhere and do anything. didn't matter that I didn't have money. Um, I got married. (laughs) A lot changed. (laughs) But my wife was the same. You know, off we went to Brazil. You know, um, we'd accumulated some household possessions that we wanted to take. We found, no, you can't. Not allowed to take them. They say, we'll give you a visa, but you can't. So what do we do? Do we leave all our stuff? Yeah, leave it. Whatever. Take suitcases. You know, and and off we went. And then back into a, a challenging pioneering situation in the north of England. Industrial town, unemployment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, off to further study, it meant we'd begun to buy a house, well, sell it to pay for this next phase, and then, you know, okay, sure, whatever. And then, you know, over to New Zealand, where's that? Quite far away. Oh, well, yes, it's where we need to be. Never been here before. People said, Auckland you're going to? Now, is that North Island or South Island? I thought, there's two islands? <laughs> um, you know, I had a lot to learn. But... Um, I tell you, 14 years on, my wife and I are just in the middle of a move um, from Howick to Mangaree. Uh, just a sense that this is, this is where we should go and invest ourselves in, in relationships and community and mission and so on. This feels harder than any of the others. Do you know why? I, I don't know why. Um, partly it's older, stage of life. You know, it becomes more uncomfortable to move. Partly I am kind of infected by a world that says, yeah, but the house there won't be worth nearly as much as the one you've just left, (laughs) and what about when you want to retire, you know, um, when you're selling, you know, all those sorts of things, and, and, you know, some of the discomfort of just a new community and a very different community to the one we've been in. Comfort actually held us up. We've thought about this for a while but it just, and also there's stuff, man, there's stuff that we accumulate, you know, in a bigger house, and then we've got to kind of get rid of things, and oh, man, it's just, it's just so much more comfortable to stay where we are, but yet there's a sense of freedom, a sense of freedom and saying, well, let it go, because we want, we want, and even, I'll put it negatively, we don't want to miss out on participating in the mission of God. Don't let comfort get in the way. Let's read on. Um, They'd they'd overcome that barrier, and uh, so they're willing to go. What about the next one? Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Did you pick up the barrier? Conflict. Paul and Barnabas, great friends that faced death together almost, but now they couldn't agree on the composition of the team for the mission trip. Just couldn't, they just couldn't see eye to eye on it. And I realized that this is actually time for the service to stop, and I don't want to get into one of those situations. <laughs> um, and there's a whole lot more of this sermon, but look, um, I think that, you know, we've listened to God in worship, and I think we've maybe actually got the point for today with the comfort one, which is because I, you know, I used to teach New Testament um, and uh, then I was doing a lot of mission stuff. Until the end, the college said, hey, look, you know, you're doing all this mission stuff. Why don't you make that your day job? And then we'll get somebody else to teach much of the New Testament. I still get to teach some of it because it's essentially the mission textbook, okay, you know, and, um, and you do, do this stuff. It's my honest opinion." that the comfort barrier more than anything else is what limits the participation of the people of God in mission. I really believe that. And maybe from the nods I'm getting around the place, you know what I'm talking about. So, my message today as the time ticks round, <laughs> is simply this, God is. We know that God is because we see Jesus. And Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. I'm in charge. I'm the king. So participate in my kingdom. This has been a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shore Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Because Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 9 455 Thank you for listening. Don't let the comfort barrier get in the way of participation in the biggest thing the cosmos will ever know. Bless you.